good to see you. If you're joining us online, we are glad that you're able to be with us this morning here at HBF. And uh, what a, it's a great day. It's warmer than it has been, praise the Lord. Uh, I'm a little sobered, though. I, I will, I just have to say, I, I just found out before church here, before this service, that uh, Pastor Mark Trotter passed away last night. So for those of you who know Pastor Mark, yeah, it's kind of like, ew. so be praying for Sherry and uh, and the folks all over the world, literally, that are impacted by him. So uh, if you have your Bibles, be turning to the book of Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. We're going to be in uh, starting a new chapter, praise God. We're making some progress. So we're, we're, we're talking, this sermon series in Malachi, I've titled it Choosing to Love the Lord. That's the whole series. And, and really, uh, as I've talked about many times, God proclaimed his love for the nation of Israel, he right out of the right out of the uh, the chute, right in the ver- in the very first or second verse, he says, "I have loved you," saith the Lord. And then, of course, they question his love, and of course, and that you know that's so easy for us to do, even today. Sometimes we question God's love, and we really shouldn't. And one of the things that you can really grab hold of uh, to really get a kind of some affirmation from the Father uh, is His promises. Right? Uh, promises mean everything. The promise of eternal life, the promise of a home in heaven, all of those things are so important to us. And so as they're asking these questions of the Lord, he's also giving them answers, but these answers contain promises. And unlike us, God does not go back on his word. We, if you'll remember, as we've been setting up you know, for this, this text in Malachi, Israel had already made promises with Ezra and Nehemiah. They were, they'd put away wives, they had promised to serve the Lord, you know, and then of course... By the time we get to Malachi, that wasn't going on. They'd already quickly turned back. And so Malachi is the, the messenger. His name means messenger. Uh, this chapter, chapter 3, deals with a messenger. And uh, I want to just take the first seven verses this morning. We're not going to have a lot of time uh, to, to get as far as I would like. So this is going to take me a couple of weeks to work through these verses. But primarily today we'll start in verse 1. But I want you to get the picture of what's going on in verses 1 through 7. And so uh, when you come to a passage like this, there's a, there's a lot I'm going to get into today, but I want to just start off by a promise, since we're talking about promises. Uh, by the way, if you don't have a Bible, you can grab one from the seat rack in front of you and put, turn to page 1,270. We're on 1,270. If you're a guest and you've got a gift bag, inside that bag is a Bible, as Jeff said. You can open that up uh, to 1,270. And by the way, congratulations, Mr. and Mrs. True. It is their 46th wedding anniversary isn't that awesome praise the lord all right i don't know what color that is they all have you know it's some hue between gold and silver so uh that's amazing so praise the lord that's awesome uh and so you know god loves people and uh and so in jeremiah chapter 29 he gives a, a promise this is a great promise in verse 11 it says for i know the thoughts that i think toward you saith the lord well, what are those thoughts? What's God think toward us right now? Um, you know, sometimes we feel like, oh man, He's going to come down and whack me if you if you uh, if you if your conscience is defiled, right? And so He says, oh, here's my thoughts toward you: thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. God wants to give us some good stuff. He wants to bless us, and uh, He wants to bless you. This is Old Testament. He's wanting to bless His people Israel in the Old Testament. He wanted them to know that his thoughts toward them were good. Uh, though they did a lot to provoke him, um, he was still, his heart, right? We're talking about his heart, his thoughts, the intentions of his heart was to bless them. And he proved that over and over and over again. And Romans 2, 4 says, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, right? Uh, it is, and it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. But I've all, I often say grace runs out, and it does, right? There is a time where God says, you know what? Uh, grace has ended. And judgment has come. It's like if you have kids, you know, uh, you can be that parent that says, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, or you can be that parent that says, I will, right? And so uh, at some point, grace runs out and, and uh, discipline comes. And Israel, they're in a p- position here where they've already been disciplined. They've already been taken out to Babylon for 70 years. They've been brought back. God has just done some awesome things to uh, truly put them back in a position where they can really do what they're there to do, and that is to worship God from the city, the capital city of Israel, which is Jerusalem, and magnify his glory to the whole world. 
And now God wants to do that in our lives individually. If you're born again this morning, God has literally put his spirit in you. Uh, the, and Jesus Christ is the express image of God. Christ, the spirit of God is the third person of the Godhead. And you are now a, a new creature. You are a creature of light. Not a physical light, but a spiritual light. And, and so we've been restored to the image and likeness of Christ. So we don't, well, we don't have the likeness yet. We have the image. Christ is in us. And eventually, after the resurrection, we'll get his likeness. So we'll even look like him. And so that's going to be awesome. And so we've been completely transformed from the inside out. Now, we believe that and we know that. We can experience that. And we do experience that if we're born again because of what the promises of God's word say. God promises us eternal life. God has given us eternal life. We have believed upon these promises and they've been effectual in us, right? The word of God is quick. It's powerful. It comes in our hearts and it quickens us. Ye who are dead in trespasses and sins, right? We have been quickened, Ephesians 2, 1, from that old life to the new. So, so we have promises in the New Testament. And isn't it great to know that God thinks upon you? It's so good to know God thinks upon you. Uh, and it's even better to know he has thought of peace and not of evil. And he wants to give us an expected end. And, uh, and we, we know that if we fear God and keep his commandments, our end will be good. When Solomon, the wisest man that, that, to live outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, concluded the book of Ecclesiastes, he said in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And so God is actually a just God, and he's a God of judgment as well. He's a God of love. We just sang about God's goodness and his love. He is a king, a great gracious king. He's also the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he brings justice and judgment. And so we cannot get anything past God. He knows everything that's visible and he knows everything that's invisible. He knows the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I mean, God knows, he knows more about us than we do. And so it's amazing. And that's what, and, and so that's why um, we can't get anything past him. So why in the world would we try, right? Why, why do we try? Not would we, why do we? Why do we try to get things past him? And really, that's what God's asking his children in Israel in Malachi. He's like, guys, what are you doing? Come on. You know me. I love you. I've told you that. And you keep asking these questions. And I know you didn't ask me because I can hear your hearts. And this is what you're saying. And this is what you're talking about. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So they're questioning his judgment. And so if you remember last week when we were in Malachi chapter 2, the last verse, is just go back and look at what they said. It, it's a paragraph. It starts a paragraph, but it's one verse. And in God's providence, he breaks this into a chapter. And he does this for a reason. Because these join together. They're connected. So we end chapter 2 dealing with the priests. Uh, you know, he commands the priests, the Levitical priests. He's very focused on them. He talks about a, my covenant was with him of life and peace. In, uh, in uh, Malachi 2 and verse 5, he promised Levi and his seed peace. These guys were supposed to be worshiping God. And then he comes down in, in verse 17. He says, ye have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet you say, wherein have we wearied him? How are we, how are we wearing you out, Lord? When you say everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he, and he delighteth in them. And I talked about that last week, right? We do that when typically, you know, when we ourselves have lost judgment or ourselves are in a situation we cannot judge. So their judgment was perverted. And then the last thing they say here is, or where is the God of judgment? Oh, man, now that, that's, that hits home. Because I'm sure some of you might have thought, thought those things in the days in which we live. Where's the God of judgment? How can all this go on? And you haven't seen nothing yet. How can this continue? Well, part of the problem, why it was continuing, it wasn't God. It was the Levites, <laughs> right? It was the, it was the fact that they weren't worshiping God properly. They were actually the reason this, these things were going on. So where is the God of judgment? The God of judgment is, was sending the children of Israel, a message through Malachi, the messenger, about the coming judgment when he concludes and he asks them to repent in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 7. So they say, where is the God of judgment? He's like, well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you right now. So if you have your Bibles, Malachi chapter 3, it's going to answer that question. Verse 1, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, 
even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah Jerusalem be present, or and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord, as in the days of old, as in the former years. I will come near to you to judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against the false swearers, against those that oppress the hireling in his wages, the widow and the fatherless that turn aside uh, the uh, and that uh, turn aside the stranger from his right and fear. Not me, saith the Lord of hosts. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Verse 7. Even from the days of your fathers ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, Wherewith shall we turn? Well, I'll get to that last part later. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for these uh, questions that get answered by the Lord. And Lord, I pray, God, especially today, I, I just sense there's a lot to talk about in this passage. There's a lot that could be misunderstood. There's a lot to grasp and comprehend. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you open up our eyes to behold wondrous things out of your law, that we would be uh, really understanding that these words obviously were written to the, the nation of Israel uh, before the silent period uh, of your coming, 400 years before Jesus was born. But yet, Lord, they have a, a unique application right now in the church age uh, before you come and catch us away. And I pray, God, that we could connect the dots. And I pray, God, that if there's any Jews listening today, anyone of Jewish persuasion, that they would be able to understand and see some of the things that we're talking about, for you still have a plan for your nation Israel. We thank you and we praise you and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so we can clearly see here in this passage that God has a plan for Israel, and he really wants them to cooperate. I mean, he's like, guys, if you just do what I tell you to, I, I just, in verse 7, right, if you just turn to me, I'm, turn, I'm right there. I'm right there with you. I, I want to I work with you. I want to work through you. Just like us today, he wants to work in us and through us. He is in us, so he wants to work through us, right? So at this same time, uh, this is the same thing for us in our relationship with the Heavenly Father. Soon and very soon, the trump's going to sound, and we'll be caught up. And the opportunity to prepare for the day of the Lord will be behind us. And that's really what he's talking about in verse 1. He's like, hey guys, you want to know about judgment? Well, guess what? I'm going to send a messenger, and uh, he's going to come, and, and then I'm going to come in my wrath, and I'm going to purify everything. I, I'm going I'm to be like a refiner's fire. I'm going to be like the fuller's soap. I mean, everything's going to be purified. Levi's going to be straightened out, and I'm coming. So you want to know where judgment's at? I, I'm telling you, It's coming. It's coming. And, and you, you could, I mean, guys, we could say the very same thing today. But before judgment comes, <laughs> let's make sure we're right with the Lord, right? Let's make sure we're doing what's right. Let's turn to Him. Let's not get discouraged. Let's not be dismayed. Man, if there's not a time uh, to live for the Lord, I don't know when, when, when there is a time. This is a time to be completely given over to the Lord. And so... So this, though this passage is very Jewish in its prophetic and doctrinal application, there's a lot of things we can glean from the questions that Israel asks God and the responses he provides. Now, this morning, I'm only going to be talking to you about the messenger of the Lord, but in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to deal with the messenger of the Lord in verse 1, and then the day of the Lord in verses 2 through 6, which is that day of wrath that will come as well as the millennial reign uh, that comes after that subsequently. Uh, a literal day of his wrath when he comes and sets everything straight, and then a 1,000-year day where he rules and reigns on the earth. We'll, see, we'll look at that in verses 2 through 6, and then we'll get back to verse 7, uh, which I just bounced off of concerning God wanting them to turn. But right now, this morning, I want to focus on the messenger of the Lord in verse 1. It says there again, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. So what does the messenger do? What's the messenger of the Lord do? Well, very simply put, you don't have to be a, a Bible genius to figure this out, that he prepares the way of the Lord. Now, the messenger that we're talking about here is not Malachi. 
Malachi's name is messenger, that that is not who we're talking about. I bet some of you have already figured out who we're talking about. Uh, we'll get to that in just a minute before we jump into that. I just Before we get too far, I want you to behold the word behold. Uh, and this morning, I want to do a little bit of Bible study. I, I, do, a, I do Bible study often, right? And I, often when I preach, I'm an expository preacher, so I, I, I delve in Bible study to preach. But this morning, I actually want us to do a little bit deeper dive on the Bible study. So I don't want to lose you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be, pace myself so you can keep up with me and still get through everything I want to say. So let's see how that works. So first thing is, behold, behold. And so when we see the word behold in Scripture, God is, is asking us to look, uh, look at something. That's when you're filling the blank there is look. There are many notable passages that lead in with behold. And I put that, I already put them on your sheet so you don't have to guess where they are. Just reference, Revelation chapter 3, right, in verse 11, Revelation uh, uh, chapter 22 in verse 7, Revelation um, chapter 22 and verse 12. Those are, that's an example where Jesus repeats himself, Behold, I come quickly. Right? And many people know that. Behold, I, he wants us to get it. Behold, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. I think God wants us to know. He's repeating himself. He uses that word behold. Get a look at this thing. Pay attention to this. Right? In Matthew one twenty three, and these, by the way, are just a sampling. Right? Uh, behold, a virgin shall be with child. Oh, that's a big deal. Right? Get a hold of this. That was a lot to get a hold of, wasn't it? First uh, Corinthians fifteen fifty one. another behold uh, uh, passage. Behold, I show you a mystery. Right? We shall not all sleep. And he gives the mystery of the resurrection. Behold, get a hold of this thing. Get your head around it. Look at it. See it. And there's many other examples I could use. I just grabbed three of them for an example. Okay, this is the second of four behold statements in the book of Malachi. Is point B. This is the second of four uh, of behold statements in the book of Malachi. Malachi 2 and verse 3 is where we find the first one. So God is expressing his displeasure with the sacrifices and likening uh, the sacrifices that the Levites have been offering to dung. They're worthy to be cast out, right? And he says, you know what? I'm going to take those sacrifices and spread them on your face. So there's the gentle Jesus. <laughs> so uh, quite, quite a lot of imagery there. And so Malachi 2.3 says, Behold, I will corrupt your seed and bring and spread dung upon your faces, even the dung of your solemn feasts, and shall take you away with it. Specifically, their solemn feasts is what he was tired of. He's like, man, it stinks. It's so bad. I'm liking it to excrement and uh, you just put it on your face. You know, it's just terrible. Smell that. How's that? This is what I did to my dog if they potty in the house. I'm like, you smell that and you don't do that again, right? So it's, 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 I don't know if that's right. It seems to work. Then I whip them, and they're gone. And that's animal abuse. It works. I don't know. It may be animal abuse, but that's what I've done. So I confess before everybody. So if PETA comes and puts me in cuffs, I guess I'm in trouble. All right, so, uh, but, you know, the, he's just saying, man, is that right? Yeah, ethical treatment of animals. So, so he's just saying, I don't, that's, behold, he, in that passage, behold, I will corrupt your seed. That's really what he's focusing on. Guys, you're not honoring me, so I'm not going to honor you. I'll let you go ahead and keep having these wives and mingle in your seed, so you can't even get, I mean, he's obviously going to bring forth the Messiah because he promised it. But they did not appreciate what he was trying to do through them. What reproductive uh, power came through them. Now for us, spiritually, that's, what is that for us? It's the word of God. It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And today, there's literally an attack on, you wouldn't know, would you? The seed of God's word. And so we cannot afford to corrupt God's seed. All right, we got to get the word of God out. It's the word of God that saves. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a, we have a spiritual application. They had a physical application because they were the kingdom of heaven for UD2 students and we're the kingdom of God. We got the spiritual seed. All right. Second mention, we've already covered Malachi 3.1. Behold, I will send my messenger. We'll talk about that. But God is asking Israel to see that before his judgment comes, he will send a messenger. He wants them to know that. Before my judgment comes, I will send a messenger. We'll talk about the messenger here in a minute. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 1. God then reveals his second coming very clearly as a day of fiery vengeance. So if we were to just keep reading through the text, and, which is not very long, and get to chapter 4, the, the first verse of chapter 4 says, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, all that do wickedly, shall be stubble, 
and the day that cometh <clears throat> and the day that cometh shall burn them up saith the lord of hosts that it shall leave them neither root nor branch uh, there's his judgment it's coming and it's going to it's going to be completely uh, effectual and so god reveals his second coming very clearly as a day of fiery vengeance how are you going to be like how are you going to make things uh, pure through the fiery vengeance of the lord so all those charismatic friends out there Bring the fire down on me. Hold up. No, no. Bring the spirit down. No fire. Uh, I want the spirit of the living God. I do not need the fire of God's judgment falling upon me. Um, and so a lot of ignorance. You can just see there's a lot of ignorance today, even in the church, isn't there? People just don't even know what the Bible says. And so they're singing things to the Lord, and it's like, I'm like, no, time out. <laughs> don't. <laughs> you hope he doesn't answer that prayer. All right. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5 is the last time you see this word, behold. Remember, we're looking at the, we're beholding behold in the book of Malachi. Malachi 4, 5, God is still continuing on with this subject of his second coming. Really, he's just building on what we're talking about right here in chapter uh, 3 and verse 1. And he, and he says, behold, I will send you Elijah. It's very specific. The prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So God reiterates that before the day of the Lord or the second coming of Christ... Elijah the prophet will reappear. Well, is that the messenger? Well, that's a, we'll have to see how this works out. That's why we're here this morning, isn't it? So behold, the statements, uh, the behold statements, I'm sorry, are a key to understanding what God is wanting the children of Israel to see concerning his plan for Israel. These behold statements are really important. He's like saying, you guys, look at this, look at this. Where's my judgment? Well, look, I'm going to send a messenger there's coming a fiery day of vengeance. There's going to be, Elijah's going to show up. And what? Elijah's going to show What is that all about? Well, we'll talk about that as well. There's a lot of prophecy here. A lot. There's a lot to look at. Uh, but point two, behold, I will send, what I want you to see is he says, I will send my messenger, my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. So this messenger that he sends is his messenger. And he's going to prepare the way before me, is what he says, me being the Lord. So we understand that this passage is referring to, who's it referring to? Somebody want to just put it all out there? Yeah, John the Baptist. Thank you. John the Baptist. So John, because, well, Jesus, Jesus Christ obviously is coming. We'll talk about that in a moment, but because Jesus is a messenger. But there, this is dealing with John the Baptist, whose name, by the way, I'm sorry, who was... Uh, uh, Malachi uh, is the messenger, but this is referring to John the Baptist. Now, how do we know that? Would you know that if you didn't have a New Testament? No. You couldn't possibly know it was John the Baptist. I'll talk about that, too, in just a moment. We'll unpack all this, and then we'll try to get it all back together in the next 20 minutes. All right, so a, a Jew reading this from the vantage point of the Old Testament would have seen this messenger fulfilled in Elijah the prophet if they're just reading through the text. Why wouldn't they? Because before that great and dreadful day, Elijah's showing up. That looks like a messenger. Maybe it was mess maybe it's Elijah. That's probably what they're thinking. As a matter of fact, I know that's what they were thinking. I'll get to that in just a moment. But Malachi 4 and verse 5, he says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So they, so they also don't see the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ in Malachi. Just the coming judgment. And this was well known during the time of Jesus' ministry. And Jesus addressed it in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 7. So how do I know how the Jews saw this? Well, not because I know anything. I know nothing. I know what the Bible tells me. And so Jesus himself addressed this very issue of how the Jews perceived this passage and the coming of the Lord and the Messiah and all of these things that are wrapped up in the day of the Lord in the Old Testament. And so we'll find our text in Matthew 11 and verse 7. And if you want to turn there, it might be good because there's a lot to look at. Matthew 7, or 11, I'm sorry, Matthew 11 and verse 7. Now, Jesus is here, and uh, he's talking to the multitudes. And it says, And they departed, and Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, this is John the Baptist, What went ye out to, in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken in the wind? But what went ye out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? And what he's referring to is everybody in Israel, even the, even the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they all counted John the Baptist as a prophet. 
Jesus knew that because he was. He's greater than a prophet, actually, but they all understood he was a messenger of God. Right? He was someone that God had sent, and they went out in the wilderness to see this guy because he was preaching. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight, right? just like we're seeing in Malachi. And so, and so we see here, but he went, and he goes, what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Of course not. We know John the Baptist, he's out there uh, in a leather girdle. He's eating uh, honey and locusts. I mean, he's a man's man. And uh, he's out there baptizing and saying, prepare you the way, Lord, make us pass straight. Get your hearts right. Repent. Get ready, Israel. Messiah's coming. And then he goes, one day, behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. There's a great behold statement. I should have put that one in there. Right? Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. And, of course, then he transfers all the tension to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a messenger. Okay, so Jesus goes on in verse 9, But what went ye out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. Verse 10, For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. So we don't have to imagine this. One of the principles of Bible study is we compare Scripture with Scripture. You don't have to guess. You don't have to wonder. Jesus Christ himself said, Listen, this is my messenger. This is John the Baptist. Right? And he's greater than a prophet. He is the messenger I was talking about in Malachi, chapter 3 and verse 1. You guys tracking with me? Pretty clear, pretty simple, right? And then he says, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there is not risen greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the day of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the and the law prophesied until John. And if ye shall receive it, now this is an important verse, verse 14, just mark this down. And if ye will receive it, this is Elias. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5. This is Elias, which is Elijah, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Just like you see in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. He that hath ears to hear. Every church age. I mentioned that last week. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus is telling the nation of Israel, you know what? I did say that about Elijah coming, but I'll tell you what. Since I'm God, manifest in the flesh, I'm just going to do this for you. Uh, Why don't you just receive my kingdom and uh, receive me as Messiah because I'm offering it. It's at hand right now. And then this is just as good as Elijah. This is the man. And I'll fulfill my prophecies from there. However, he would have done that. Of course, we know what happened. They didn't do that at all. But what Jesus is saying here is that John the Baptist, the son of the Levite, by the way, uh, named Zacharias in Luke 1, verse 5, would be counted as Elijah if the Jews would simply receive him as, not, not John, but Jesus, as their Messiah. And notice the prophecy given to Zechariah In Luke chapter 1, and verse 16, it's on the screen. It says, And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, which is the last thing he tells uh, Israel in verse 7 there in, that we read a little bit ago. Turn to the Lord, turn to the Lord, right? Turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elias, which is Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the uh, wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So here the Lord Jesus is pulling from the end of Malachi chapter 4, in regard to that passage with Elijah, because it says Elijah is going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the children of the fathers. And so you can see here, Jesus is totally saying, John the Baptist will do. Now, I know some of you know this, you've heard this before, I've taught it on Revelation, stuff like that. But for some of you, you're like, maybe you've never known this, okay? So there's a reason, I'll try to make this applicable and practical before we're done. But what's going on here is you're studying God's Word. And there's a reason I'm bringing this up and meditating on it. Number one, it's in the passage, and I have to, for you to fully grasp what's going on in Malachi chapter uh, 3 and verse 1. But there's, there's things going on here also that we need to see that are practical for today. So we know that this prophecy was clearly fulfilled in John the Baptist. I think we've established that very clearly, unless you're going to call Jesus a liar. But in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 10, the Bible says, For this is he, John, right, of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way uh, before thee. We've already seen that. Ma- uh, Matthew 3, 3. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make his path straight. Literally what 
John the Baptist was doing. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord and make straight in the desert a highway for our God. I'd like to read all of that, but I'm not going to for time's sake. So these are all fulfillments of prophecy. They're all wrapped up in John the Baptist. Then why was there a variance between John the Baptist and Elijah? Well, that's an, another thing we've got to answer, and we'll do that right now. So what about Elijah and Malachi 4.5? That's a good question. That was still to be fulfilled because Israel did not receive Jesus as Messiah. Now, in Revelation chapter 11 and verse 3 through 11, the Bible gives us insight into the ministry of Elijah as one of the two witnesses in the coming fulfillment of Daniel's 70th week, commonly called the tribulation period. In Revelation chapter 11 and verse 3, the Bible says, I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy 1,203 score days. That's 1,260 days. Hebrew years are 360 days, not 365. So three and a half years. There's going to be two witnesses. They're going to prophesy. Clothed in sackcloth. These, these, are, these are the two olive trees, which you can go back in, in the Old Testament, Zechariah, I believe, and, and find out more about the two olive trees. And the two candlesticks uh, uh, standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth. Remember Elijah with the prophets of Baal? Fire came down. Yeah. And devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in, in, in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven and uh, that, it rain not, <clears throat> that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. So they can shut off the water for, for three and a half years. That's a long time. Yeah, that's the power of the prophet that's coming, which I clearly believe think is, is Elijah because this prophecy will still be fulfilled. We'll get to that in just a minute. And verse 7, it says, And when they have finished their, their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall uh, overcome them and kill them. That's why they're witnesses, by the way. These witnesses, remember Jesus told his disciples, his apostles, ye shall be witnesses. All but John literally died as a witness for Christ. These two witnesses both lose their life. One, by the way, is a type of well, I won't get into that. I'm getting too far into the weeds there. But anyway, that's for another Bible study Sunday night. Maybe tonight we can go further. But anyway, so both of these witnesses are going to lose their life. And their dead bodies shall lie in the, the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. Oh, where is this city? Well, we'll find out. It's Jerusalem, right? Where our Lord was crucified. So spiritually, Jerusalem is called Sodom and Egypt. This is where this is going to take place. And they of the people and the kindreds and tongues and the nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall, and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. They'll be on display uh, because they're going to be happy they got killed. And then God's going to say, okay, now watch this. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. You know, there's a time when speaking the truth is causes people to be tormented we're getting there quick and after three days and a half the spirit of god of life i'm sorry the spirit of life from god entered into them and they stood up on their feet <laughs> kidding guys <laughs> and great fear fell upon everybody would saw them guys this hasn't happened yet this is going to happen this sounds like something out of a sci-fi movie uh it's going to happen just like it's written all right, so what are you, where are you going with this? Well, I'll get there in a minute. Because God is sovereign. He can get the right answer no matter what the variables are to the equation. Uh, you, can give him whatever, you can give him whatever variable, and he's going to come up with the right answer. He's going to use Elijah, and he's going to fulfill it. It's going to happen before the day of the Lord, just like he said. In the meantime, he brought John the Baptist. Why did he do that? And that's really what I'm driving at. Why, why did God find the need to, to have a variable at all? Why did he leave it open for himself to do something different if he needed to? Why do you think he did that? Well, I, I would submit to you he did that because he gives man a choice. He gave a whole nation a choice. He said, guys, I want you to make the right decisions. But see, you know, the thing with God is when he gives his word, he's going to keep it no matter what your choice is. His word is true. He doesn't change. He will accomplish what he says he's going to accomplish. The problem isn't with God's word. The problem is with our word, right? So God makes it where he can 
accomplish his mission regardless of what we do or don't do. And he will still get the right outcome. Now, if you don't, I don't know where you guys are with the Bible, but, and some of this might be over some people's heads, but when I look at this kind of stuff, and then I have some jack leg tell me, well, that's a Bible written by a bunch of people, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, get out of here. You haven't even read the thing. You don't, and if you did, you didn't believe a word of it. You cannot, the way God's word comes together, if you believe what it says and you compare scripture with scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept, there is no way in the world this is anything but the mind of God. And you won't know if you won't believe it. And if you won't read it, well then, well guess what? You can reap what you sow, which is foolishness. But moving on, that's just my attitude toward that. So number three, notice the punctuation in the Bible. This is also important. And this is, uh, this is something I'd never seen before, and so I want to be careful with this because there's a few ways that this passage can be looked at. But it says, Behold, comma, I will send my messenger, comma, and he shall prepare the way before me. We saw that happen with John the Baptist. This prophecy has been fulfilled up to the colon. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in, colon. Now, between those colons, there's a lot going on. And I've got to be frank, I'd never seen this, uh, and I've never, I, I'd just seen this as I was studying, but it just stuck out, it just stood out to me. And that is the difference between the word Lord in the middle there, between those colons, and the word Lord at the end of the verse. After that second colon, he says, Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. I'm like, that's peculiar, because I've read through Malachi several times, and I just noticed this is the only place I've seen the small O-R-D versus the capital L, capital O. Capital. So I'm like, am I just seeing it? So I studied it out. I thought I should bring that, my, my report to you. So the colon after before me in Malachi 1.1 is very important. We often see God place markers between dispensations with a simple colon. The clearest example that most of us may know, even if people that aren't Christians know this verse in Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, colon, right? And then we skip over the church age and we hit uh, the second coming Christ in the millennium, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, colon, and then we go into eternity. And then his name uh, shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And we see you can see it very clearly in Isaiah nine six. So God is in the in the providence. God in His providence though hides the church in the valleys of prophecy and gives the Jews the fulfillment of the kingdom of heaven because the kingdom of God was not available to them until the coming of Christ at His incarnation. So they couldn't have possibly understood all of that at that time, and that's cool. We can look back and we see that we have all those things. We have the New Testament. So what we see as we break this down is Jesus at His incarnation. So what we see is we break this down, is Jesus at his incarnation um, right up to the first colon. Then Jesus at the second coming as he rules and reigns for a thousand years. I've already said that regarding Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. And then, of course, we go into eternity where he's revealed in glory. Okay, so let's, let's look at some key words. Notice the key words. Malachi 3 and verse 1. We've, we've been looking at this passage. Now, God left room for Israel to make a decision on how they would handle the messenger at the first coming. And as I've mentioned, a key word after the colon is Lord. Now, this could be the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in his incarnation. As a matter of fact, every, I think everyone, I, I, I didn't even, I've not read a commentary on Malachi until this passage. I finally, I'm like, I got to break down and look at something because I don't want to mess this up. But as I looked at something, pretty much everybody would say, this is the Lord Jesus. Capital L, small, in, in his incarnation, that's, that's okay, could have been. We saw that. That's what Jesus said. Uh, would you receive the messenger? Would you receive the, the object of the message? Right? Yeah, that, that works. So I'm not saying that's wrong because it's not wrong in history is the way it, as it rolled out. But God left, I believe God left some wiggle room here. I, and I think there's some things here as well we can see in regard to how this is phrased to kind of help us understand also how God is going to still fulfill the prophecy that we've already talked about concerning Elijah and we've read in Revelation. So while this obviously could have been the Lord Jesus in his incarnation, if they would have received him, um, this word Lord is an interesting word. It's not this, and you can, what's cool about this, you can see it in English, or you don't have to be a Hebrew scholar. You just notice that while 
this, this is how I noticed it. It's like that's not a capital O, capital R, capital D. So what is this about? And the Lord said, I'm glad you asked. And so it's worth noting that the only time you find this word Lord, this lowercase, uh, capital L, of course, it's, reveal, it's just dealing with Adonai, or it means a sovereign. It could be a Lord as a king. It could be a Lord. It could be the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's a lot of applications. It could be a land baron. just depends how it's used in the context of the sentence. But the word translated capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's a completely different word. Some of you may know it. Anybody want to throw a stab at what that capital L-O-R-D is? Yeah, it's Jehovah. Right, self-existing one. It is God. All right, this is the Lord God. This is Jehovah, and this is who we're talking about. All right, so, so we don't have any doubt about that, who we're talking about there. Forty-eight times, as a matter of fact, that word is mentioned, and it's, and it's, and it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in the book of Malachi. The only time you find a lowercase one is right here, Malachi chapter 1. And so that's the difference between Jehovah, the self-existing one, and and Adonai. Now, some people, uh, like the Jehovah Witness guys, Caddy Corner Cross Highway, they'll say, oh, we caught you. See, that's t- dealing with a lesser Jesus here. No, it's not. As a matter of fact, I'm going to blow that out of the water in just a second. Notice every word. Every word is important. Point five. God is able to leave room for prophecy by carefully placing words that can be utilized in various ways to accomplish his sovereign purposes while giving man his free will to love and choose him. So we, always, or we already saw Jesus tell the Jews in Matthew eleven ten that if they would receive John, it would have been equal to the prophecies they understood from the Old Testament concerning the, the coming king and his kingdom. However, if they didn't, God leaves room for his prophecies to be fulfilled. And this is found in the phrase, And the Lord whom ye seek. Ye seek. The Lord whom ye seek opens the door, not only for the Lord Jesus Christ, but also for the coming Antichrist in the tribulation. Hang with me. He that hath an ear, let him hear what I'm saying. Just as Jesus was available at Herod's temple, and this, uh, and this just could have easily have been fulfilled with Jesus Christ. It's not wrong to say that or think that. So as everything about that is right. If they would have received him, God left the door open, so that could have happened very literally. However, they didn't receive him, and God leaves the door open for the coming Antichrist to give Israel the fruit of their decision to choose the wrong sovereign. And let me give you more evidence, because I know you're not just going to hang on that. I hope not. You need to study to show yourself approved. So this hinged on their rejection of Jesus at his first coming. Even after Jesus' resurrection, up to the stoning of Stephen, Jesus was ready to return and establish his kingdom to Israel. But the Jews rejected uh, him nationally, even after, pre- after the preaching of the apostles in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. Right? After, even after stoning of Stephen, the, the gospel went out to the synagogues and at every place in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, all over. All of the Jews uh, made a decision. Some did follow Christ, but as a whole, the leadership rejected Jesus Christ. We know that, and that's, that's a fact of history. It's a fact of this day. It's a fact that maybe some Jews... The Sanhedrin's regathering. Maybe they're going to listen to this because I'm talking about Jews, and maybe they'll pick it up on a live feed. I don't know. But the point is, is that up to this day, uh, the Jews have rejected Jesus as their Messiah. And so, and so, uh, so in 70 A.D., God just took care of that. He took care of the temple that Herod built, and he leveled it to the ground, literally, gone, and fulfilled prophecy from Daniel as well. Daniel chapter nine at that point. And so for 2,000 years, the option of fulfilling this prophecy, it ain't going to happen. There ain't no temple. But a temple's coming. In 1918, the British Empire deeded the land of Palestine to the Jewish people, but they didn't return. So on May 14th, after World War II, Harry Truman uh, recognized Israel as a sovereign state for the first time since the Babylonian captivity. And then on May 14th of 2018, Donald Trump recognized Jerusalem, spiritual Sodom and Egypt, as the capital of Israel, just as it should be. There's nothing right about that because God's fulfilling his word. So what does that have to do with Malachi 3.1? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because God left room for his rejection and the acceptance of the coming Antichrist by many of the Jews. Because some of them are going to choose the wrong Lord. 
the wrong sovereign. The messenger of the covenant could have been Jesus. If the Jews would have received Jesus, he would have fulfilled the prophecies in the Abrahamic covenant at that time. Even after the rejection of Jesus, the Jews could have received the New Testament. And still to this day, there's a remnant that will and are receiving the, the, the New Testament in his blood. His covenant was made in blood. Jesus Christ has given us his New Testament. The book of Hebrews is all about how Jesus Christ is better than the law. He is better. There's a better covenant. It's with the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. Now, we as, as, as Christians, we get that just like intuitively. But the Jews missed all of that. And so they didn't understand that Jesus had fulfilled the law and that his blood is a New Testament, right? It's, it's in his blood. It's a covenant of promise. It's better than what Moses had. Not that Moses was wrong, but that was a schoolmaster to lead them to the Messiah, to lead them to Christ. Because they didn't receive him, God has another covenant ready for, uh, for the Lord, their sovereign, with a small s, and that's the prince of this world. And as Jesus called him in John 16, 11, that's not what I call him. That's what Jesus said in 16, 11, The prince of this world shall come. And he was referring uh, to, well, son of perdition, Antichrist. So the covenant he will bring will be covenant of peace, according to the prophecy. And he will bring a, a pox romana, a false world peace, complete with temple worship, in which he will come quickly and take wicked practices of the Levites, enumerated here in Malachi, which we look at next week, and make them so bad that there's a phrase that God uses just to make sure everybody knows how angry he gets. It's called an abomination that makes desolate, or in the New Testament, abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, Matthew 24, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and the book of Revelation. He's going he's gonna to continue to try to pervert worship in Israel, in Jerusalem, to be more precise. With another temple, by the way, that's coming soon to a city near you named Jerusalem. If Israel would have received their Messiah, Jesus would have returned and history would have been fulfilled differently. But they, they didn't, so God will give them the Lord they deserve. So instead of the covenant being the Abrahamic covenant, but by the way, he is going to preserve them and those, there's going to be a remnant. And he's going to fulfill all those promises as well, which he was wanting to do here in Malachi. But it will be a... a, a uh, so instead of the covenant being uh, the Abrahamic covenant, it will be a perversion struck by the prince that shall come, Daniel 9, 26 and 27. And just so you know, I'm not making this stuff up. He's a prince. He's a sovereign that will come. Daniel chapter 9, verse 26 says, And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah, shall Messiah be cut off, and the people of the prince shall come that shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. You say, well, that's Titus. Yes, this is a double application in history. Uh, one is not fulfilled, one was fulfilled. And the end thereof shall be with the flood, and unto the end of war desolations are determined. Verse 27, check it out. And he shall confirm the covenant the covenant with many for one week. Now that's not the covenant he would have liked them to fulfill, but that's what it says. And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease, and the overspreading of abominations, and he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and the determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now, I know for some of you, perhaps this is like, man, Brian, you're going way, you're diving deep today. And I kind of am. But I just, there's a reason I'll get there in the next five minutes. And so, uh, just, as Mal just, just as in Malachi, in Daniel chapter 9, 26 through 27, it contains dual prophecies concerning uh, General Titus of Rome and the coming Antichrist. But, this, but to suffice it to say, the leadership of Israel made a huge mistake in choosing Caesar over Jesus. Because they not only, not only is there a time coming where there's going to be a bad deal going on in Jerusalem, as I've just read about, but you know what? There, it's already happened. The Lord tells the Jews that they will get the messenger whom, whom ye delight in. Not who I delight in. Whom ye delight in. John, Jesus made it very clear who he delighted in. John the Baptist. He's greater than, man, he's awesome. He's better than, he's better than a prophet. This is who you guys... I mean, if you believe John the Baptist, then you need to believe me, because John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, takes away the sin of the world. Receive me, and, it's, and you guys got it made. But we know how this thing went down. Sadly, when push came to shove, the nation of Israel had a chance to choose between Jesus and Caesar. Even Pilate got cold feet, and he's like, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What are you guys doing? Why are you killing your king? What are you doing? Why are you killing your king, your Lord? I mean, we know what they said in John nineteen fifteen. 
But they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, shall I crucify your king? And they, the chief priests answered. The chief priests, the Levites answered. And what did they say? They said, we have no king but Caesar. They chose the wrong sovereign. Antichrist will have a messenger that will come too. And he will be called the false prophet. He'll be full of signs and lying wonders. Paul knows a little bit more about that. So in 2 Thessalonians 2, 7, he says, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. That's what we're talking about in Malachi, his, his coming. And shall, destroy, uh, <clears throat> and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose uh, coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because, because, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And you might be saying, pray tell, Brian, where's the rubber beating the road in this message? This is just too far out there for me. So let me tell you, this is where the rubber hits the road. Today we are preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ before the the coming of the Lord to catch away his church. And then the events that I've just read that are going to be unfolding uh, in the tribulation period. Today is the day of salvation. God is a gracious king and he is a good Lord. He's calling all men everywhere to repent. I'll get to that in a couple weeks, but I can't wait. I got to tell you today is the day of salvation. And like the Levites, we cannot afford to do anything but follow Jesus Christ because we are priests and kings and we need to sanctify ourselves and be holy and faithful to his word and don't corrupt the bread, man. Don't corrupt his seed and preach the gospel while we have time because, beloved, there is deception coming to this world that that people don't even fathom. And the only people that can see it are people that have the spirit of the living God. Point B. So what's this about? What's this messenger about? Now, I don't want to leave off without finishing the verse. After that last colon, it says, Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. One thing you know, I've already quoted Revelation. Behold, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. God is not messing around. This has been 2,400 years ago when he said this. And behold, he comes quickly. When he comes, it's going to be quick. And like today, like never before, he's coming quickly. He's coming for his church. He's coming to settle the score. That Daniel 70th week will be fulfilled. It's all coming quickly. So what's this all about? Point B, the messenger of God provides opportunity. This messenger, John the Baptist, came and he provided an opportunity for the nation of Israel to repent. He gave him all that opportunity. Why? Because he provides an opportunity uh, for loving the Lord. If you love me, you keep my commandments. If you love me, you keep my commandments. If you love me, you keep my commandments. He's like, beloved, would you keep my commandments? And it provides an opportunity to prepare Israel's heart for the coming king. Man, he wanted him to be ready. Beloved, let me ask you today, are you ready to see your bride or your, uh, your groom? We're the bride. He's the groom. Are you ready? Man, we should be making our clothes ready. We should be making ourselves clean and white and, and ready for the coming of the Lord. Like a bride adorned for her husband. What is the church to be doing? We are to be being washed in the water of God's word. Being ready. Being prepared for the coming of the Lord. Not asking questions about, hey God, where's your judgment? Why is it going on like this? If anybody understands why the world's going the way it is, it should be us. We are the pillar and ground of the truth. We have the word of God. We know what's going to happen. So what do we say? We say, hey Jesus, man even so come quickly. Lord, help us to be washed in the water of the word. Help us to be ready for, he's not our king, he's our husband, man. He's our Lord, he is our king. But, man, he is better than that for us. We are his bride. That's an incredible, incredible state of being as a church. We're so blessed. It also provides an opportunity to prepare Israel's heart for the coming kingdom. And so this messenger in the Old Testament historically was preparing the heart of Israel for the coming kingdom. And it would wait 400 years, but Jesus the king would show up. And he would offer himself, he would offer the kingdom to, both, to, to Israel. Both the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven were offered to the nation of Israel. And then it provides an opportunity to choose the Lord. This is what's scary. Choose the Lord we deserve. We have no king but Caesar, they said. You know what? 
there's people today that hear the gospel, and I'm sad to say I heard the gospel and didn't always receive it. But I tell you, the last time I heard the gospel, I mean, the last time I heard it when I was lost, let me put it this way, back on March 25th, 1987, I knew that I had no more options. And if I didn't receive it, and I don't know how I knew this, it was just in my heart. I just knew in my heart I didn't deserve any more options, and I don't think I was going to get one. And not everybody's testimony is the same, so I don't want us to all feel like you got to have my testimony. This is just me. I just knew when I heard the gospel that time that if I didn't receive it, I was choosing the wrong king. I was choosing the wrong king. And beloved, I tell you today, not everybody's going to receive the gospel, but we should give them every opportunity. Because it's a terrible thing to be in that place in your life where you know, man, I'm so glad somebody, I still think about this, that Earl, he took time out of his day. And he just, he said, you know what, this guy's lost. I'm going to open up the Bible and share with him the gospel. That was not the first time I heard the gospel. It's the first time I received the gospel. And beloved, I tell you, it's a scary thing to be in that situation. Maybe you've been sitting in this room, maybe you're watching online and you've heard the gospel. You've, maybe you've heard it over and over. Maybe you've read the gospel. Maybe you've preached the gospel, but you've never received the gospel. And you better receive it while you got time. Do not choose the wrong sovereign. The Bible tells us in, in the book of uh, Job, chapter 41, speaking in Leviathan, which is a type of Satan, behold, or he beholdeth all high things. He is a king over all the children of pride. If you're too proud to receive Christ, if you're too proud to kneel down and say, Jesus, forgive me, come into my heart and save me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. If you're too proud for that, you are a child of pride. And you have a different king. Entering into the kingdom of God is as simple as being humble and contrite in heart. And God will receive you. He won't refuse. He's so good. He is a good king. We just sang about that. He's a great king. He's a gracious king. Point C, the messenger of the Lord provides clarity to God's purposes. I started off by talking about Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the thoughts that I, ha I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Jesus is the prince of peace. He, he uh, not the peace that the Antichrist is going to bring, not a false peace, not a Revelation 6, 1 and 2 peace. He's bringing a peace that passes understanding. In John 14, verse 27, the Bible says, Peace I leave unto you. Jesus said this, My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We had a whole sermon series this year, this last fall on fear, didn't we? Well, we talked about the heart. One of the main thrusts was the issue of how fear can often captivate our heart. You know, God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. If you're born again, he's given you power, love, and a sound mind. There's nothing that, that's, there's nothing that catches us off guard. Why? Because we have the mind of Christ. So what should that do? It should fill us with love. It should fill us with peace, a peace that passes understanding. So next week, we'll talk about the day of the Lord and the will of the Lord. But in conclusion, what I want you to understand today is that we should not just hope things work out all right. We shouldn't. We should understand that things are going to work out all right. And you know why I know things are going to work out okay? Because God keeps his word. We don't need to sit around and ask God about, well, God, why are you allowing this to happen? Why are you allowing that to happen? How come all these good people are going to heaven? Because God wants them to. The issue is, what are we doing with the word that's been delivered to us? What we know to do and what we say to God, oh, yeah, God, this is what I'm going to do. All right, then are we doing it? Are we being the people God saved us to be? Are we accomplishing his mission and his power for his glory? It requires, this is what it requires. A choice. Back in the Old Testament, Joshua, the time of Judges, was getting ready to come upon the nation of Israel. They had everything at their disposal. They, were, they, were, they had everything. This is sort of like America. And then Joshua says this, If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, 
capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Choose you this day whom you will serve. There's only two options. The gods which your father served and were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Man, who do we choose? Beloved, that's not just an issue of the day we get saved, but as Christians, every day, man, we need to choose to serve the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Why? Because I tell you, this world is in a time of deception. And if anybody needs to be clear on who they're serving, it should, it, we, it's got to be us. There should be no question about who we serve. And I tell you what, guys, the Jesus that you get in the media a lot of these Christian songs that we sing is not the Jesus of the Bible. So we need to be in the, bo- in the book. We need to be in the Word of God. And we need to know who we serve. Amen? Amen. We'll come back and finish this up. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the reality of the Word of God. Thank you for giving us choices and giving us clarity on who you are, what you said, what you said is coming. Lord, we know all of that, and yet we still oftentimes don't. We're like the, the Levites. <laughs> we still don't serve you as we ought. We question you. We wonder about you. And Lord, you're so gracious and kind to us. And just like you said in verse 7, when, we, when, we're, when we're ready to turn to you, you're there. You're ready. You'll come to us because you want us to succeed more than we do. Oh, Heavenly Father, do a work in our hearts. Lord. Revive us and encourage us. Help us to be uh, stalwarts like Joshua, like Caleb. Help us to believe your word and go forth in power and love and a sound mind. Lord, for there is much work to be done until you blow the trumpet and call us away. And Lord, we know what's coming. So, Lord, I pray, God, that we would be faithful to you, to your word. Lord, that you would continue to just wash us in the water of your word, preparing our garments for that day when we get caught up to see you in the air and we're with you in eternity, Lord, or with you at your second coming or with you at the judgment seat of Christ or with you at the the marriage supper of the Lamb and at your return. Lord, there's a lot for us to look forward to today. I thank you and I praise you for giving us hope, giving us peace, and giving us you. I pray a blessing on the reading and the hearing of your word. With heads bowed, nobody looking around. If you're here today and you're not saved and you need to be, I'm not going to tarry. If you need to be saved, then, hey, take care of it. Just where you are right now, you say, Brian, you are talking to me. and I need that relationship with Jesus. I need to know if I died where I spend eternity. I, I can't save you by praying over you, but I can get someone to show you in the Bible what the Bible says you need to do, what verses you need to trust to just simply call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. Is there anybody that says, Brian, that's me. I need that. I want that today. Anyone at all? If you're online and you're watching me and that's you, call 816-380-3033. We'll get with you. We'll help you. Email us at contact at hbfcast.org. Let's stand together in an attitude of prayer. If you're here this morning, maybe God's calling you into obedience. Maybe you need to get baptized. Maybe you need to join the church. Maybe you just need to lay something down. Let's uh, just have a moment of prayer as we give the Spirit of God a little time to work in our hearts. If you need to step out and pray, Bob and Carrie are here. They'll pray with you. You can please step out. If not, uh, we'll just have a moment of reflection. And let's, let's leave here today thinking about the choices that we make. What is God asking us to choose today? Is there anything in our hearts that we need to set aside and choose him? Are we deceiving God? Are we playing games with God? Let's set all that aside and let's follow him. Heavenly Father, we... Uh, we're here this morning, and we, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for your word. Lord, it is amazing. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It quickens us, brings us to life. Just like you talked about, you will bring those two witnesses to life. Lord, you quickened me the day I got saved. Lord, it's amazing. And yet, Lord, we're here to serve you, to worship you like the, like the Old Testament priests. Lord, every day our life should be a, an example of people who are uh, spending time before your throne in prayer, interceding, time in your word. Lord, knowing that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost, we sh- they should be truly furnished into all good works. Lord, I, I pray, God, that if we're starving the Spirit of God by not reading the Word of God, that, Lord, you would help us change that this week. Lord, just give us the grace to change that, make a commitment to do, to choose to change that. If we're Lord, if we're grieving the Spirit of God by introducing things into the household of our, our hearts and our bodies, our temples, that, Lord, are a stench to you, things that are odorous, Lord, I pray, God, that we would replace that with the, the scent of, of prayer 
and the incense that, that, that go before the throne of God. You told us to come boldly before your throne. And Lord, we know that you'll hear us. We have an advocate. We have propitiation, the man Christ Jesus. So, Lord, we thank you for this access that we have to you. Lord, I pray, God, you'd fill us individually or fill this church corporately. Lord, I pray, God, that we would be a bright light in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, that we would shine brighter and brighter as we see the day approaching. Lord, I pray for your saints. Lord, there's got to be needs in hearts this morning. There's people with physical issues. There's, there's emotional pain. Lord, I, my heart's grieved over the loss of Raina and, and uh, Chloe uh, this week. I'm grieved that my brother Trotter's gone to heaven. I'm thankful for it, but I think about Sherry. and Lord, I think about others Lord, that are on the cusp of eternal life. And Heavenly Father, we, we, we just know that uh, there is no great answers outside of you. So, Lord, help us to be completely convinced of your word, to be completely uh, resting in your word, and to be completely sober-minded in regard to what we're here for, why we're here, and what we're doing day in, day out. Lord, I pray, God, you'd stir us up in our pure minds. Lord, I pray you'd send your saints out in a mighty way today for your honor and your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And uh, I'm going to go ahead, Jeff, and you can take I'm going to do the 